Con Radio, presented by Wizard World. Radio for geeks. You're listening to the Can Dare Podcast. Your sidekick in the quest for knowledge, power, and entertainment. So strap yourselves in and prepare for victory! And welcome to another episode of Candare, a tribute to comics and pop culture right here on Wizard World's Con Radio. I am Jeremy Colley. And I'm Jack Doherty. And joining us from the Image Comic Limbo, we have writer Dan Waters and artist Casper Wingard. Thanks so much for being with us, guys. Thanks for having us. We're going to have a hell of a good show today. We're going to be talking about fictional cars in uh, in like comics, TV, and movies. Our favorite fictional cars in this week's Retro Roundtable, so I think that'll be fun. And then uh, we're going to talk with Dan and Casper a little bit later about Limbo, which I, I can't wait to talk with you guys about yeah. it because it was such a good read. I, I'm hooked. Oh, so. Thanks very much. Oh, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> All right, so let's just kick it off with this week's Retro Roundtable. And here we go. <laughs> All right, guys. Fictional cars. Famous fictional vehicles. I imagine there's a category that's going to immediately come to mind for everyone, which is the Batmobile. Mm-hmm. So right. if, if that is at the forefront of anyone's minds here, let's get it out get of our away. system right now. <laughs> the Spider-Mobile, that's come back, hasn't it? Oh, yes, in the, in the uh, Spider-Man comics. Yeah. Has it really? Yeah, it's I, I can't even really describe it. Just a great big honking car. Remember I told you Spider Man uh like went international in the comics and he was running around with uh oh who was it? Bobby from Agents of Shield. Uh oh, Mocking, Mockingbird. Mockingbird, yeah. yes, yes. Well he's got a big badass car he runs around in. And can they go up walls and stuff too? I can't yeah, remember. Yeah. It goes right up the walls and I think I think they brought it in initially in like an old I think it might have been in the seventies. And then they you know, they they I think he said at the end of the issue that it was a ridiculous idea and then uh, <laughs> they they brought it back. I know it's not really canon, but the Spider Man in the Japanese T V series from the sixties, I think he had a car that turned into a spaceship. Yeah, I was gonna say something about that one, yeah, the old Japanese. Didn't he have a car. giant robot as well? Yes, yeah, I think that's, I think that was the torso of the head. <laughs> the yeah, Leopardon. Yeah. That's what it was called. Yeah. Yes, because in uh, the Spider-Verse event that happened uh, right before Battle World happened, that uh, character and he that showed up. robot did show up. That was so it, awesome. It to saved read. the day at one point, too. Yeah, it did. That was amazing to read. All right, other famous vehicles. The Ghostbusters car? Mm. Oh, I'm not yeah. sure if that has a name. Ecto-1 and Ecto-2. Oh, yeah, Sorry, of course it was Ecto-1 and Ecto-2. <laughs> Wasn't Ecto-2 like the helicopter? Like the gyroscope copter or something like that. Well, no, Ecto two was the sequel car. Is that what it was? Yeah, I remember. Really? Like, uh, remember? I don't remember what episode we were talking about that on, but talking about how the second Ghostbusters movie was very aware that it was a sequel. Like, yeah, because the symbol, <laughs> the ghost was holding like a peace sign, basically. Yeah, holding up two fingers. Yeah, like. two. And then it had more stuff on the top, right? It was kind of kitted out on the roof. Yeah, it was a bit much. It had like a uh, like a scrolling LED like text display and yeah, extra. saying we're back. Yeah, 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 like we get it. It's a secret. I mean, I get that they were back because they were 
not working for a little while, I guess. But they took it way too yeah. far. <laughs> <laughs> but the Ecto One. What an amazing vehicle, seriously. I mean, uh, we've talked about the car they're going to be using in the new Ghostbusters movie, right? Have you guys seen it? I've seen I've seen pictures yeah. of it. Uh, I haven't, uh, just the one screenshot that they have. Is, is it the same? I need to pull it. It's like a station wagon, it? It's more of a station wagon, which yeah. I don't understand why you're going in that direction. I mean, a hearse is perfect. You know, you're there mm-hmm. to carry the dead off <laughs> yeah. you know, to the afterlife. You need a hearse. Why go into just like a, it looks like the Griswold's car. <laughs> the what family's truckster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that car. Speaking of cars, for the, that's a good one. What's that? From the Vacation movie. Oh, the Griswold uh, cars? Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. Had like eight headlights in the front, like two sets of brake lights the, in the back. Didn't have buttons that, like, did... Wasn't it like a knockoff car from Russia or something, or...? I don't remember. I think it was something like that. I don't remember that. I just remember the airbag have- was like a plastic trash bag or something like that would inflate out of nowhere <laughs> I, I, I made the wrong decision of watching the remake not too long ago and i'm fairly sure they did something similar with with you know like a car with the, the buttons and it you know like had ejector seats and stuff it was it was it was just ridiculous it was stupid it was a bad <laughs> i was bad very movie. curious about that new vacation Same movie, here. and i've been kind of wanting to see it i yeah. haven't heard anything about it though was it horrible yeah, I wouldn't. Oh, I, it was it was one of those films I was watching, and I was like, I, "This makes me not like the original." I, I haven't seen the original for such a long time, so I was just like, "Oh, you know, it's a film. I'll watch it." You know, yeah. it, it, it was a yeah. I would just probably avoid it at all costs. It wasn't it wasn't funny at all. It was it was bad. <laughs> kind of like the American Pie sequels. And stuff. Oh man, I, I, yeah. <laughs> Eugene <laughs> Levy keeps showing up somehow. <laughs> That's too bad. I, I was wanting to see it, but you know, now that I think back to the commercials that were airing, you know, for the trailers for it, the trailers looked bad. And typically, when you're promoting a movie, you put some of your A game jokes in your trailers. So yeah. <laughs> it's like buying frozen food. If it doesn't look good on the package, it sure as hell isn't going <laughs> to be good trouble. when you make it. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, like what you're saying about you know films being aware that they were a sequel. This one was completely aware it was a reboot, and it kept you know going. Just, just being like, oh, like the original, and then like they would like nod at the screen, and then Aww. did they like, really? Oh man! Yeah, I'm oh. fairly sure they did at some points where they're like, well, you know, it's not as good as the original, and then kind of like nod at the screen. It's like, oh god, are they really desperately that's... trying to seek our approval on this? You know, that's too bad. Now, wasn't there uh, even a uh, cameo by Sorry. Chevy Chase and Beverly D'Angelo in that? Yeah, yeah, they turn up towards the end, looking, you know disheveled and you know, <laughs> really not wanting to be there and they're there for a paycheck you know like they've been drinking heavily the night before just coming down and being like right let's just get this done and and take the check and go you know <laughs> man that's too bad what about the uh the dog van from uh dumb and dumber no oh, the mutts and cuts right, yes these are all films that have, you know like resurrected from the dead and terrible reboot sequels that have come out recently aren't they <laughs> Oh yeah, I forgot about Dumb and Dumber too. Mm. Which I, we were there opening night. Me and my friends were because that was like when we were geeky little kids. We worshipped the first movie, yeah. so we had to be there opening night for the second one. And though it definitely was not, you know, even close to being as good as the first one, we enjoyed it. I, I liked it. It was good. Yeah. It wasn't as good as the first one, of course. It was better than Dumb and Dumber. Oh my, by far. I'm like, watching traffic go by would be better than watching Dumber and Dumber or whatever it was called. That was such a bad movie. Uh, yeah, I, I just avoided it. Having said that, 
I am looking forward to the new Ghostbusters. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the trailer for the new Ghostbusters. Just to, you know, like, just to see what it's like because people, are, you know, yeah. they're reserving a lot of hate for it already, and I and I think that's completely unnecessary. I'm really, you know, I think it looks cool so far. Yeah, I'm optimistic for it. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll wait for the trailer. If the trailer looks bad, then I'll start, you know, like maybe being a bit like, uh, but for, for the time being, I'm I'm excited. I think it's good to. I like that universe. It's it's it's, it's good to. Come, come back to it. They don't make films like that anymore. So I'm hoping they keep the spirit of that original franchise. Exactly. Yeah. And I guess that's my biggest concern with it is not the fact that it's going to be girls, but it's the fact that the humor is possibly going to change. I mean, I've seen the kind of humor that, you know, these girls have in Saturday Night Live, blah, blah, in Saturday Night Live and they have in their, you know, TV shows and movies, and it's not the same kind of humor Mm-mm. that you had in the Ghostbusters. The Ghostbusters was kind of subtle. I mean, they were really funny jokes, but they they weren't like punchline jokes. You yeah. know what I mean? I think. Yeah, that, I didn't. I didn't realize that film was a comedy when I was a kid. You know, that's how subtle the comedy. Yeah, is. exactly. That's that film. I wasn't really huge on Ghostbusters the movies as a kid. I was. I was more about the toys and the cartoons. Um, I did watch the movies when I was younger, but I was actually quite terrified of the first film there's some you know there's pretty horrific imagery towards the beginning of the oh, movie yeah, Absolutely. Definitely. that librarian man she's yes. horrifying yeah. yep. <laughs> i always kind of steer clear to that but then you know watching it older i was like this is this is absolutely hilarious like i, I had no idea how funny especially bill murray is in that movie it's, i was gonna uh, say most of the comedy comes from him just the way he delivers most of his lines and yeah. His, yeah. his attitude towards everything it's a movie yeah. that walks a very fine line between, you know, sci-fi, horror, and yeah. comedy. I don't know. There aren't many movies that, like that now. That not anymore. Explain no. it like that. Yeah. Again, that's what I mean. It's like if they can replicate that kind of that kind of feeling you get from watching those movies, then yeah, I'm, t- I'm totally on board. If it's if it's fart jokes and, and you know that silly kind of you know what's that movie that they have Neighbors, you know, with a. Zac Efron and oh, it's that yes. type of humor where it's just like like frat boy humor then I'm mm-hmm. you know I, it's, it's gonna get lost on me especially someone from England that you know watching a movie like that already a lot of that humor's lost on me because you know I'm not from the states right so if, if, it, if it becomes you know American orientated humor that goes right over my head I'm not going to enjoy it as much I think the first Ghostbusters movies is quite universal in that respect where like oh, the humor you know and a lot of a lot of the comedies that are coming out now are kind of you know, a lot of it goes over my head, I feel. Or maybe I'm just getting older. No, I, I know exactly what you mean. It just... I can already see, like, a trailer of, like, Melissa McCarthy, like, in a tenseful situation, like, a situation, like, <laughs> how does this thing work? How does this thing work? You know, like, trying to figure yeah. out the proton pack and something like that. And I'm all, I would be so lost at that point. Like, I'm out, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's hard to explain. So keep the, the humor away from, like, the, the weigh-ins with that. Ugh. Fifty Shades of Black or something like that. Then I do not understand why people think the Wayans are funny, man. Mm. That is some horrible stuff. Scary Movie was funny. After that, they were stupid. And all the other mm. movies that they did after that were stupid. But maybe it's because I was younger then, too. Yeah. You know, going back to the Batman, you know, we were talking about the Batman earlier. I, was, I heard somewhere that I think it was Martin Wayans was supposed to play... Robin in Batman Returns, right? What? Apparently, I can't remember yep. where I heard this. It must have been on a similar podcast, maybe a Kevin Smith podcast, or and they they mentioned that he was actually paid to play the role, you know, like what he would have been paid to play Robin in the movie, but they cut him because they, they there was too many villains or too many characters already, so they were just like, look, we can't have you in the movie, so they cut him completely, but he was signed 
to a three picture deal that he I think he's still got the money for the for the the, the rest of the movies that came out even though he wasn't in them. So jeez. Wow. About a sweet I'm gig. Not, yeah. Yeah, right. So maybe that's why he has all this money to make terrible movies. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so like why why they still keep coming out? It's not the studios are letting him. It's just because he can just be like, hey, I'll just produce it because I'm, you know, I've got I'm endless amounts. Rich. I'm still yeah. living off my Batman money. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Apparently, he's, he gets, yeah, he still gets cash from from those films. I think so, or at least Batman Returns. As far as I, you know. As far as I, I remember hearing on a, you know, on, on, a, on a similar Batman-related podcast. Can you imagine how different that movie would have been with him as Robin? Cheers, with all the flack that uh, they got for the Human Torch being a black eye now, to have a Wayans be a Robin back in there. Yeah. That I don't think it would... Well, wasn't Harvey Dent played by um, uh, Billy Dee Williams in the original yeah. Batman? You're right, he was. Yeah, but then they, but then they, yeah. uh, you know, they recast him for... Um, Whichever one it was. That's right. Tommy Lee Jones uh, then became he was, him. He was furious because the only reason he'd agreed to do the first two Batman films in such a small role was that he was going to be... That's Two-Face. right. Yeah, he was, he was yeah, really he was like Two-Face. And then they recast him, so... Man, they should have stuck. I can't imagine that. Billy D. Williams playing Two-Face. Yeah, I forgot. I totally forgot about that now. That would yeah. be amazing. Yeah. Well, I well, think that's what Tim Burton is going to be. I think Tim Burton is going to completely... You know, like, fresh take on Batman when he did it because he didn't read the comics so I think that's possibly like it was his decision to have Marlon Wayans play Robin in his version of Batman so it doesn't surprise me that he would have wanted to go that route but yeah like right. I would have been interested to have seen that uh, let's see what other vehicles we got here uh, the A-Team van I got that on my list oh yeah yeah, that was on mine too love that van you guys ever watch the A-Team yeah yeah religiously when I was a child yeah me Did too I, go ahead Oh, sorry, I was going to say they used to air that like every day in the UK when we were kids. Well, when I was a kid, I'm, you know, I think I've got ten years on Dan, so I don't know. <laughs> I just like the one with Boy, Boy George in it as a as a tonal uh, episode. Oh, you're right. I forgot about that. Was it? They were yeah, like. They were hired to be security for Boy George at some... Like, like he was playing at some dive bar for some yeah, reason. Yeah, for some reason he was playing a cowboy bar. Yeah. I don't really I don't think I've seen that I do. I think I just watched that one not too long ago, because it's on <laughs> Netflix. Yeah, I still watch it. There was it a reason why he was, um, you know, like, brought into the show, and I can't remember if it was to get more viewers in the UK or get, you know, give a reason to bring the show over. It, 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 that's probably not what it was, you know. But there was a reason why he was... You know, there wasn't like a, a core audience, so they were trying to get more people to watch the show, as far as I can remember. So they they uh, they, they brought in a boy George to uh, to sing a song, and it was so like ham-handedly handled as well. You know, he just turns up, he's like, oh, oh hi guys, I'm Boy George, and he goes up on stage, and they're like, he's great, you know. <laughs> and he's like, hello, Boy George, and it's just like you can just see they're all just kind of like. <laughs> you know, wearing shit, complete shit-eating grins, you know, just kind of oh, like, yeah. where, where is this coming from? Like, why are we doing this? Like, just grinning away. Tuesday, guess who's coming to the A-Team? Boy George and the Culture Club! And the action is marvelous for words. So get in on the act, because things are going to be rocking. And stomping. What next? When Boy George meets the A-Team, Tuesday. I'm rolling. You know, yeah, I am yeah, not I buying. A really, really vivid image in my head of just Boy George and 
full makeup and a black trench coat kicking down a door with Mr. T. And it's just like <laughs> the fact yeah, that everyone seems to forget that Mr. T. Straight. Amazing. Well, everyone seems to forget that Mr. T was dressed like Peter Pan throughout the majority of that show. If everyone seems to think that Mr. T was always wearing a leather jacket, but in my mind, I just remember him wearing like what looked like it was like Robin Hood gear. It was like a long shirt with a belt and then tights, right? Or am I just? Boy, I don't remember up? that. That sounds familiar. Yeah, I'm it's sure like there was workout episode, pants and yeah, stuff. Something. It was like always oh, out of okay. the gym. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. I just, but that's how I remember. It. Whenever I think back to the earlier episodes, I'm always like, he did he he always used to wear this kind of like workout gear like you know tights basically and, and funny little shoes but then maybe that's just some odd you know i haven't seen that show in such a long time so. right it was always funny i mean he and uh he and murdoch's clothes seemed to change depending on the theme of the episode like mm-hmm. if they were oh, helping, really? out, helping out firefighters or something they'd be wearing the yellow coat and the helmet throughout the episode <laughs> you know maybe that's what it is then you know maybe i just remember a specific episode i think i mean you're right. They may have been like helping somebody like put a play on that was trying to be shut down by some dastardly <laughs> D. You know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the thing I take away from that show more than anything is the, the the end credit scene where the guy takes the paper out of the typewriter and throws it over his shoulder. Yes, it, mm-hmm. that's the only bit I really remember. Like you'd always be, everyone would be like, "Oh, it's the bit at the end with the guy typing," and he's like. It's just like, why does that stick with you? For dick. That's from yes. You know, like the staff flies through above a child and says the word dick. Which yeah. Is like, <laughs> like, comes in through the window. It's like, dick. <laughs> we have a Remember, okay. uh, sit, boo boo, sit. Good dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that rings a bell. The Buffy one was like, argh, argh. You know, the Monster Factory or something. It was at the end of Buffy, but that's slightly newer, I'm thinking. Boy, I don't remember that I, I know which one you're talking about. I can't think of what it, it says, but the, it's just like a two-dimensional something cutout. Enemy, right? Mutant Enemy? Yeah, that, yeah I, I haven't seen Buffy in years, so I wouldn't remember. Um, but I remember the, the dude at the end going, arr, arr. But yeah, there was a few. I, yeah, there was a Sit Boy Sit and obviously Deke. And yeah. <laughs> that was the best one being a kid. Yeah. That's not what it says. I'm going to have to put some of those at the end of this episode yeah. now, since it's over. <laughs> do, 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 do. All right, cool. Well, that was uh, fun. I can't believe all the different conversation that spawned out of talking yeah, about really. <laughs> fictitious cars. That's awesome. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, was... Oh, no, don't apologize. It was a, it's a great thing. It was a good we thing. We almost I was uh, concerned it would be a topic that wouldn't generate much conversation, but boy, was I wrong. So thank God for that. All right, so let's talk about some comics. Who would like to go first this week? Or I can go first. Go ahead. I'll go first. All right, so I've talked uh, before on here about uh, Jason Aaron's Star Wars run he's doing for Marvel. And it's the only thing Marvel I'm still reading. (laughs) The rest of it uh, kind of push me i don't know i did i didn't like it rubbed me the wrong way i wasn't a fan of battle world but the star wars runs pretty good and i picked up number 15 which is uh i guess there's nothing super special about it other than the whole comic is an excerpt from the journal of ben kenobi now in past issues luke has gone back to tatooine to uh, ben kenobi's house to find his lost journals to learn as much about the force as he can and, you know, found other people there searching them. Well, after he acquired them, now we're seeing 
a uh, look into that journal. And the whole journal, uh, well, at least this excerpt from the journal, is him talking about watching Luke from afar at a very young age. Now, you know how Luke in the movie says, well, we used to bullseye womp rats down in Beggar's Canyon uh, mm-hmm. from however far away. I don't remember exactly what he says. This comic starts with him and his friends flying a ship down through Beggar's Canyon, hitting womp rats. And Obi-Wan, way to distance watching, like, oh, yeah, you know, this is definitely Anakin's son. You know, he's, what, maybe six, seven years old in his comic, and he's already flying ships around and very adventurous. So he's growing kind of concerned, but uh, he wrecks the ship. And it comes down, and Uncle Owen's like, I can't believe you took the ship out. I can't believe you crashed it. You're not ever supposed to be flying. You'll never fly again. You know, because he's also concerned about him being Anakin's son, that right. he's going to grow evil. So he's just going to keep him as grounded as he possibly can while he can. So uh, Obi-Wan, watching from afar, you know, he knows, well, we've got to get this ship fixed. I know Luke can fix it, but Owen's not going to get him the parts. So he very well can't just go into town and buy parts and take them out to, you know, the residents to give to Luke because then he'd be discovered. Remember, you know, he's in hiding from the Republic or from the Empire. In hiding under his own name. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Right. You know what I never understood? Why didn't you just wrap his head up like a Tusken Raider? I mean... Yeah, never know. (laughs) You never know. But uh, anyway, to acquire the parts for the ship, he uh, went to made a deal with some Jawas. They were going to give him the uh, parts that he needs for this ship if he could guard their sand crawler overnight from a wave of incoming Tusken Raiders. And this page is really cool because it shows Obi Wan just sitting Indian style in the desert outside this sand crawler. And you just see, like, on the horizon over the hill, just tons and tons of Tusken Raiders come up and just single-handedly takes them all out. It was an awesome action scene. But um, then gets the parts he needs, and the next day manages to sneak them into Luke's Does he, hands. Do they, just quickly, do they sure. attack him before he attacks them, right? Um, I think they attack first, pretty sure. Let me see here. Because there's always this thing with, with Jedis, and they're kind of like moral compass where you know in the second well we're going to talk talk about the terrible prequels but the moment when Anakin like slays the whole village of Tusken Raiders yes it's like it's supposed to be that point of like this is where you can see that he's going to turn bad but then if Obi-Wan just like singly handily just like takes out a ton there like where does the moral good line mm, very like, good land point. you know it's like well he's just slayed a bunch like I know maybe that Anakin like is supposedly supposed to have killed the kids because you see like little kitty Tusken Raiders and you know like mothers as well right. as, as the guys he says he does yeah I guess yeah he's like I killed the, the women and the children but you know yeah. This guy's this guy's breaking up families. Like Obi Wan's like killing straight killing dads, <laughs> and they're not going to be coming home. No, they're um, not. Those baby Tuscan Raiders will uh, grow up without Tuscan fathers. Yeah, but it looks like in the book that they're attacking. Yeah, in the book it looks like they. He's like I said, he's sitting Indian style in the sand. They surround him and they throw the first punch. So he's it's self defense. I'm I'm going to bat for Obi Wan here. It's self defense. <laughs> Again, I get that, but in the first movie, there's a bar fight and he just chops an arm off. You know, like, if if he wants to prove a point that he's this dude, he could force, push a load of them away and just, like, chop one arm off and they'd be like, well, let's not F with this dude. Right. Well, And then they could, like, beat him, but... 
if he's going to just straight up like kill a load of them, that's well, a massacre, right? It doesn't show him killing them. He's definitely oh, not right, using sorry. his yeah. lightsaber because the lightsaber will give away who he is. You know, he's a Jedi. So he's just, uh, looks like he's just knocking them unconscious. I don't see any blood or anything. He reserves that, he reserves that to, for a cantina and like... It's just like, let's use it now while everyone's drunk. Right, right. Now I can show off. Yeah, he's also, at that, at that point, he is also walking around with uh, Anakin's like homemade robot though, so... Sorry, I, yeah, I guess I, I, I jumped the gun there. And put, no, because, you like, raise good points. Yeah. You got me thinking now here, but... Anyway, the comic ends with uh, Uncle Owen beating on Obi-Wan's door later that night saying, you know, I know these parts were from you. I know you're keeping an eye on him. You know, he can't leave the planet. You can't help him try to get off the planet. You know whose son he is. We can't have him growing up to be the same way. He has to stay grounded. So it just kind of... What's that? I like the idea that there's, like, dialogue between the two. Because this, you know, like, obviously with the prequels, they set up that he delivers... Luke to Uncle Owen. Yes. Um, but there's no dialogue between the two of them in any of the other movies. So obviously, you just kind of have to assume that they know each other. So it's it's kind of cool that they've built some sort of... Because this is all canon now, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, that's quite cool. That's quite neat. There's a relation, you know, showing a relationship between those two. I need to check this one out, actually. It's a uh, definitely an interesting look into uh, that time that's lapsed that you know you never really hear much about the artwork's crazy it's all photographed look almost yeah it's like a perfect mesh of uh ewan mcgregor mcgregor <laughs> ewan mcgregor and uh what was his name the original obi-wan um mcginnis i can never remember mcginnis yeah yes it's like a the cover is a perfect kind of painting of the two of them kind of meshed and like a middle-aged man starting to gray it looks really really cool the art's fantastic in it is that finished is that is that series still going or is that finished now no it's not finished it's still going this is just number 15 actually i think this is the most recent that's the one thing that with, with the prequels they set up it towards the end there's that really like kind of just rushed moment towards the end when yoda's like hey you know what i've i've just remembered something suddenly you can you can learn how to talk to ghosts quite oh. a bit. <laughs> and it's like it's like what like if this is something that's been established in the original movies why not establish it from day one in the first prequel but there are force ghosts why leave it till the very last movie to be like oh uh, should have told you this but i think qui-gon's like <laughs> like ghosting people in tatooine right now like full-on <laughs> spooking people there's people walking around and they've seen some you know some qui-gon looking dude spooking out people in cantina you say qui-gon got in touch with him doesn't he say that qui-gon got in touch with him yoda yeah. So is that how he does it? I don't know. Like, yeah. people are just sat there sort of giving him a call on the on the ghost line, just sort of yeah, yeah, picking him up. Hey, Yoda, 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 Yoda. 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 <laughs> just like just some guy just walking around, just fixing up his speeder, and you've just got. I want to say Leslie Nielsen, but that's clearly not. <laughs> just Liam Nielsen. Liam Nielsen just turning up to like, I will find you. Like they're just, just <laughs> ghosting people. In a, in just calling Taken. Well, they ended up just, going into that a little bit. It makes bit no in the sense. Wars. It just makes. It just seems like a really bizarre concept. So I, you know, I hope they cover that. Some yeah, because I know they're doing Obi Wan movies now, right? It's it's rumored. I think. Are they really? I haven't heard Apparently, that. Yeah, I'd be totally yeah, down for that. Because of a trilogy. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like a trilogy set between um, 
yeah, between A New Hope and uh, and Return uh, Revenge of the Sith. So like, if they could do that and have Obi Wan play, you know, like redeem himself as this character possibly with a decent director, I'd be totally on board to see what he did. You know, if they followed a similar route to what you just said, right? And showed how Qui Gon, you know, like how his ghost came into it, because that's just I find that the whole thing completely baffling that you know there wasn't any force ghost before Qui-Gon decided that he knew how to do it somehow because he was the worst Jedi like literally just like just I'm going to take some kid and they're like nah dude this guy's going to kill everyone nah nah it's cool like I got this like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I suppose tangentially Qui-Gon does destroy the Jedi order if yeah, he, yeah you're right yeah. he does if he just would have listened yeah then none of that stuff would have happened the movies have never been made mm. You know what I would like to see? The story arc I would love to see, either in comic form or even these side movies that they're doing, is Palpatine's origins, like him and Plagueis like growing together mm. and him taking out Plagueis. My God, that would be such yeah. a good story to read. The young Palpatine. Yeah, like getting his, uh, getting his start learning about the foals. Find out his first name, Hank. <laughs> My name's Hank Palpatine. Hank Palpatine. Well, I wonder if they've got like a, you, you know, obviously people are already speculating whether or not Snoke is Palpatine in the new movie. Spoilers. Um, I really hope they don't yeah, do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't. I, 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 well, for one, I think that he's possibly somehow connected to Maz Kanata. Is that right? Have I said the name right? They look similar in a weird way. They showed, like, you know, like the... I, I have a feeling that he's really tiny, you know, like her, like like a tiny... Yeah, yeah I can't find that. Because that seems really obvious that he's, you know, because he seems quite squat and then he's on that giant chair. Right. Mm. It, it kind of seems quite obvious that that would be, like, you know, him sort of compensating. <laughs> <laughs> what you're making up for there, Snoke? It's like yogurt. Oh, yeah, it, 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 you know, like it, 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 they, they seem to follow this whole thing of like balance within, within these movies, and there's always seems to be like a set of twins or a set of relatives, or if you know, like there's always. So it'd be, it'd be interesting to see if like maybe this is a story that's not Maz Kanata and Snoke's story, but like they had a story, and this is kind of maybe going to be their story towards the end, not their story, but like this is. What you know, like the uh, the after effect of something that could have happened between them a long time ago that they've both gone in these different directions. I don't know, maybe that's Man. like a ridiculous thing, but you know, it's just like that whole because she's like older than the force, right? Or like old, as old as Yoda is, apparently. So, yeah, she said she had watched over that tavern for a near a thousand years, I think she said when yeah. they uh, introduced the character in the movie. <clears throat> I should she's know. Like, I saw it three times. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and she like understands the force, or she's she in some in some respects can yes. use the force or has some control over it, but isn't a Jedi basically? Because that's another thing that they they never really I know they they touch on it, but they never say you can be force sensitive or have the force. Doesn't mean you have to be a Jedi. You don't have to be a Jedi Knight to be able to use the force or right, have right. use well, of the force. Leia, right? well, yeah, exactly. Leia's not a Jedi, but she can use the force, but. She's considered a civilian, right? Like everybody else knows her as Leia. No one thinks that they don't look at her and be like, "Oh shit, she's a Force user in The Force Awakens." But she, <laughs> she unless can... you uh, play Battlefront on Xbox One, they yeah. make her quite the hero in that game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she's pro- probably like the best one actually out of the, the three heroes that you can use because she can just 
stick up a shield and you can just point that gun out. <laughs> <laughs> or you can just fly around like a ragdoll as Luke and just get blasted to pieces. But, um, but, yeah. but um, you know, like Anakin, you know, like in the, in the original movie, he used the Force to win that race. You know, he was a Force user, but he wasn't a Jedi before they brought him in. So, like, if they don't bring these kids in and he still has the Force and he can still use the Force and they don't get turn into Jedi, like, what do they become? You know, like, what right. are they? Right. So, I guess in some respect, well, yeah, just, you know, like, they'd just be superheroes, right? They'd just be <laughs> flying around, force, telling people, you know, what to do. Like, I don't understand. They, they, <laughs> that would be an interesting, for me, that would be an interesting story of someone that could use the Force that wasn't a Jedi, basically. And yeah, and, like, how they would use it. Tools. I guess maybe that's what a Sith is. I don't know if Sith have rules, but I was assume that they did. But... <laughs> Maybe that's what it is, but then, but then they're just bad, right? Right. Is, right. is it is is it the thing that if you have the force and you don't channel it like a Jedi, then you're just going to go nuts and become evil? Is that the, the thing? You know, like the more powerful you get, you become evil. Or... Yeah, like if you if you use the force but don't practice self control with how you use the force, that'll lead you to misusing the force, which is a path to the dark side. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Right. Man, I love that Star Wars conversation. That's good. I love that. Uh, yeah, I'm really, I'm really interested to know what um, dialogue's going on between the filmmakers and Marvel. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Like, because obviously, what they the, the comics, you know, like they're coming out and they're getting rave reviews, and you know, they're doing really fantastically. But because they are canon, they, they're, they're definitely sort of they're closing down storylines, right? That means that the filmmakers have to sort of work around the comics and vice versa. Really interested to know, like, like how how uh, how much dialogue's going on between them. Hmm. I never thought about that. You'd you'd have to have some uh, pretty good uh, contact and communication between these things to keep them canon. I mean, so Marvel's cause... part of Disney, or no, it's not. Yeah, it is. Well, the yeah. Is, they recently yeah. did a story about how Chewie, what happened to Chewie's medal in the New Hope, right? <laughs> I heard there was a like a five to what eight part series on Chewbacca that was supposed to be really good, but I haven't read it. Yeah. No, I've not read it, but I, I remember reading about like the. I'm not going to spoil it for anyone, but yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty. You know, like they explain why he doesn't have a medal in the original movie because originally I think it was just because Princess Leia was too short to get up and put it around his neck. So <laughs> oh, really? Like, yeah. So they just avoided that, <laughs> but you know, they've given it. You know. They've they spent million, millions of Marvel dollars on explaining that for everyone now. So That's why Chewie <laughs> screams at the end. I was going to say, have you guys ever seen the edit of the metal ceremony without the end sound effects on it? With <laughs> Chewie just screaming out loud. like a, It just sounds like a man screaming. Oh my god, it's yeah. so funny. Actually, I'm going to put that on Twitter. Catches you off guard. <laughs> yeah. I when I first saw that I sat here and played it over and over and over just laughing hysterically. <laughs> yeah. It was so freaking funny. That's so good. I haven't seen that. Oh, I'll I'll put it on Twitter and I'll shoot you guys a link so you guys can see it. What's the name of this um Star Wars series by the way? I think I might check. I literally um, haven't read a comic book in such a long time. Star Wars. I, I was a sucker for licensed comics when I was younger. Like the Alien comics, I was big on. I had a ton of them. Yeah. So, and I have a lot of Dark Horse Star Wars as well. I just haven't oh, had a yeah. chance. I forgot about they that before I started. Which, all of that stuff's not canon anymore. I know it wasn't really canon before, but um, I, I'm, I'm interested in reading all the new Star Wars uh, 
It's great, yeah, and it's early enough where you can get in, uh, you know, from the start. I think the first trade's out, and there's it should be out. They're maybe ready to put the second one out. So um, I think they're like fifteen bucks a piece. You mm. get uh, the first four or five epi- uh, issues, but um, yeah, this is just the main line. This isn't doesn't have any subtitle. This is just Star Wars. And then there was uh, another one that was really good. It was only a four part series, which. I think you can find it most. Uh, I, like, I even saw it at Walmart, which surprised me. Was uh, the oh, really? Shattered Empire? Is that what it was called? The Shattered Empire? Shadows of the Empire? Is that the, that's the layer. Oh, Shadows of the Empire. Or Shattered. Wait. Oh, boy. It might have been Sh- shattered. That takes place. Shattered Empire's, that's the layer centric story, right? It, uh, it picks up right at the end of. Uh, Return of the Jedi? Yeah, it yeah. picks up right oh, okay. with the um, celebration on Endor with uh, Poe Dameron's parents and them meeting. And then, yeah, Leia is in the uh, story there. Hmm. Uh, I've, I've, I've only read, like, I haven't read it, you know, like I've read, like, synopsis of issues and, you know, when they came up and mm-hmm. um, solicits and stuff. So I, I knew that Leia was involved and possibly Darth Maul, or I don't know why. Oh, no, he wasn't in there. Not that I saw anyway. All uh, right. Maybe, but, you know, I just... I read these uh, stupid taglines, you know, like these uh, clickbait things. Oh, yeah, right. I'm like, oh, what, what, Darth Maul's going to be in a comic? And, you know, I just click on it and I'm like, oh, just the force goes, bloody Qui-Gon. <laughs> <laughs> Teaching everyone how to do this, you know. Right. Very cool. Man, that was awesome. All right. Who wants to go next? I'll go next. Go next. I've got... Now... I've talked about uh, Luther Luther Strode when we had the trade a while back. Yes. And was it last year? We went to a convention, and yeah, the creator, Justin Jordan, was there, and he gave us uh, Legacy of Luther Strode. It's it's numbered one, but it's not part of the trade that we read before. So no, I don't the, know if the, it takes place. The trade we read was like his origin His origin, story. right. Yeah, this is after. Yeah, this takes place after after the first one. I don't know if it's before the second trade came out, if it's part of that one. But uh, there's, there's three, right? It's a trilogy, I think. There was just Luther, there was Legend, and then Legacy, right, or yes, something so. like yeah. that. Yeah. Was that how good I wasn't? I thought so. Good. I couldn't remember exactly. So this might be the the last. Okay. Maybe that's what it was. He was saying about in the the Could letter be. in the back of it. Uh, it starts out long ago. Shows a big guy sitting on top of a a rock holding a jawbone. Turns out to be Samson. I had to look it up because I I wasn't quite sure on who Samson was. I want to talk to Samson. Yeah, that's all I could think of. <laughs> uh, Samson Bi- is... Oh, sorry. It's from the Bible stories. God gave Samson all this superpower, mm. so he was took a jawbone of a donkey and wiped out a whole army. All right. He, uh, he had really long hair, and that was part of his power, that and along with women. And I guess all the Luther Strode power comes directly from Samson. That's where the... Oh really? Yeah, that's where the where he got the the comic book thing that he ordered that ended up making him real strong and learn mm-hmm. how to use his power. Well, it just I remember starts it was, he read a book, right? As far as I remember from the first trade, it was he he ordered a he was he was a little skinny. Like he, yeah, and he read a book. Kid, and he, he yeah, himself how to become really strong, right? That's yeah, crazy. like the the very the old ads that used to be in the back of your yeah. comics, like yeah, send like five cents to PO box, whatever, <laughs> and get the, your extra Charles, specs. Is it Charles Atlas? Okay. Yeah, yeah, something like that. But it just shows that real quick, and then it, it shoots to five years ago, and Luther and Luther is captured by the cops. He's in the back of a paddy wagon, and he ends up breaking out and saves a woman that is in a cop car 
destroys a whole bunch of cops and they disappear and then it shoots the present day they're living in uh in the woods like 20 miles away from civilization uh the chick that he's with i they didn't give a name she's practicing shooting with a gun and he shows up out of nowhere apparently he was bored running around the woods ended up going into town getting a newspaper finding out there's someone killing a bunch of people Mm. and he shows up at a diner where those people are and everyone's dead there's guts all over the place he sits and talks to the guy and he's like you're gonna quit doing this the other guy's like no i'm not gonna do it i'm i like doing this <laughs> so they go through a big fight ends up being a big chase scene with the villain it's mostly all action there's not a lot of dialogue but uh he ends up catching the guy at the end and it just says to be continued but in luther strode there's blood and guts everywhere. Oh, yeah. They're bloody books. It was yeah. Fun. Yeah, it was a quick read. Not a lot of dialogue, like I said, but yeah. A lot of still blood. Good. Yeah. All right. Who would like to go next? Casper? Dan? Uh, yeah, I'll let Dan. I'm, well, I haven't really read. I haven't read anything for a really long time. Um, okay. Only because I'm worried if I read a lot while I'm making the book, I might take a little bit from it. I don't know. I'm worried that like I I see something and then I forget about it and then I'm I'm think I'm, I'm thinking of something to draw in a panel and, and I and I um, so is it submersively? No. Um, what's the word? Subconscious. I know what you mean. Sub- sorry, yeah, sorry. Subconsciously. Um, yeah. Like, Cass- 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 I, really, I really really like the new art you just sent me. But why is Clay now a Ninja Turtle? Yeah. <laughs> man, that yeah. sounds like a man. I want to see that. I'm a huge Turtle fan. <laughs> well, yeah, that was literally the last thing. I, you know, the last books I were, were, went out of my way to pick up and read with the, with the new IDW Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series because, like I said, I'm a sucker for licensed products and stuff like that. But I, I'd been watching the new series while I was working the uh, the new Nickelodeon. Yeah, show. I love that you know, series. I love the IDW yes, series, yeah. and I love the cartoon. So I was like, I was like, uh, I needed my turtle fix. Like, you know, I wasn't. I felt like I'm not going to say the the new movie was terrible. There was a lot I hated about it, but there was some charm in there that I really liked. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of slightly hyped for the new one because oh, they've gone. Man, me too. Yeah, yeah. I feel like they've gone like a you know they they're not they know what they're doing with it now you know like it, they, they've established the universe and they know it's going to be silly they're embracing the cartoon side of it like people from rocksteady do not look realistic whatsoever they look like cgi characters which is is, is, is cool as long as they like establish that that's the route that they're going and right. you know apparently krang is going to be in it now and you you know like in the trailer there's bits of the techno drone flying and totally cool with that like if that's the way they're going to go with it like i feel like with the transformers movies they played it far too serious like none of those characters yeah. are nice like optimus prime is the biggest dickhead in the entire <laughs> <laughs> this guy is a you know like he's a he's a he's a prick basically like you wouldn't want this guy like no wonder everyone wants him to like at the end of number three i'd be like yeah just get on that fucking rocket and go but what do they do you know they're like no we're gonna we're gonna come back we're gonna stay and continue to fuck up this you know <laughs> the, the earth and transformers four like if they just gone at the end of three probably none of you know like they wouldn't have had to have made a, ter- a fourth if god got off all of these terrible films and like you know they're not charismatic characters so like i, I know i'm digressing you know tangenting on movies but i was no, i, I was, get it from that movie, I was just like, I need to, you know, watch the news, the show, and I heard really good things about it, about the comments I picked up. I think I've got the first four volumes. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. I like the, um, I don't want to spoil it for anyone that's not read it, but you know, like the whole origin story 
for the turtles. They've kind of all of them, haven't they? They they've done like all the turtles origins that you've had in like every medium and managed to fit them into sort of one origin. The one thing about their origin that I didn't like was that. Uh, well, I guess he did, but uh, Splinter didn't originally start as a human that just kind of morphed into... They've never gone that way with the movies, though. They always started with a bee and a rat. Oh, I thought he was talking about the... Are you talking about the movie or the comic? I was talking about the comic. I hated oh. what they did with him in the movie. I thought that, oh, like, yeah. I hated that he taught them ninjutsu from a book, and <laughs> he was just a rat, and they were just turtles. Like, you know, yeah. they were just experimenting on that. It was probably book, wasn't it? Yeah, probably. And they, they were April's pets. I hated all of that. And, like, if yeah. there's any way that they, you know, because I know they do this sometimes in movies and TV shows, which is a really despicable way of getting around stuff, but when they, like, retroactively fix plots, you know, like, unless they go a complete evil dead on this where they do a sequel to a movie and just ignore the first one but pretend it's a sequel, I'd be totally cool with that because, you know, like, you know, an evil dead where it's basically... A, the same movie again because I know Shredder's in this new movie but that's not Shredder from the first movie no definitely so, not so I don't know how they're going to play this off in the in the new one if they're just going to like pretend that maybe the first one didn't happen or well, uh, or, or, or if Splinter's like oh I lied I didn't really do it from a book I was actually like this ninja and that guy spent you know like because I remember in the first movie the guy that played Shredder was never supposed to be Shredder and, and right. because of the fan backlash uh, you know, like people were saying, like they didn't want this 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 white dude playing it. You know, it should be a Rukusaki. They went away and just got some some you know random guy, and right. you didn't really see his face. And they shot these extra scenes to kind of pad out the movie and and make it seem like um, that that's the way it was already intended. But, but apparently, it was going to be the, the Eric Sachs Sachs. I forget his name in the movie. Yeah, it Sachs. was Eric Sachs. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it was gonna be it was gonna be his character um, as the shredder, which would have been you know like just stupid. Like I'm glad oh. they, I'm glad they tried to fix it. Well, as far as I remember, anyway, that, that was the the outcry. So they just kind of put this guy in at the last minute. So I don't. Um, but yeah, like if if they do that and then if they if they if they try, have we lost Casper? I think we might have Casper. Is everybody here? There you are. There You're a little staticky, but I think we got you. Yeah, there was like this huge storm. It's really windy and rainy and stormy. And, you know, this, the, the sky went neon green like Big Trouble in Little China. And <laughs> it just went a bit funny for five minutes. And, yeah, uh, my internet just decided to shut down because it was, you know, crazy, crazy, crazy stormy. Um, but I'm back. Uh, so I just, I'm good, you know, not to tangent, but going back to the series, I really enjoyed the. Um, is that a spoiler to say the reincarnation bit? I guess it is now, but, um, you know, the, the, their origin story I thought was really neat. They had all been a human family back in ancient Japan. Yeah, I like that. I thought that was a, a nice way to kind of tie their relationship together because they all have feelings, you know, like they, they were all, you know, they all grew up and they, they loved each other as a family. So, I mean, you know, them coming to terms with it, I like the idea that Donatello is like the logic you know like he couldn't see the logic in it you know because he's the scientist he, everything had to be like scientific there had to be logic behind their reasoning he couldn't believe that they were you know, like spirit, spiritual reincarnations right you know so he was always I just don't believe this this is you know this is BS and I also like the idea well I, when I was reading it I remember telling Dan about it um, before he'd read it because I was recommending it to him as a reading it and they all start with the red band and I thought it was a really nice, neat, neat yeah, touch special and then touch, yeah I'm sorry, you cut out a little um, bit. What was? Like, what did you say was a neat new touch? 
Did they also have the red bandanas? Oh um, yeah, which you know, like, and I thought that was really cool. And then they all, he gives them all their favorite color bandana when they when they become ninjas. Now they go off to find Wrath. I, I remember thinking like, oh, but because they've been trained as ninjas and they they've they've all like they've gone up a grade, so they get their colors. They're bringing in Wrath late. Um, so I was thinking that Raph was going to keep the red one because Raph was still in training, you know, because he came right. into the gangland, and that's why he had the red bandana. And I thought that's that's so cool, you know, like because he's like late to the party, like he has the red bandana. They didn't yeah. do that. They're like, oh yeah, red's, red's your favorite color, so just keep the red one. And I was like, oh, that was that would have been so cool if they just kept it. Like he was still. That's why he's always so angry. That's why he's always like pissy because yeah, he's always I like, like that's the reason he has a chip on his shoulder is that he was yeah like he's still the understudy yeah like he missed out on a he still like had years of training to catch up on so he, and, and he knew he was better you know like but he still had to keep the red bandana right. as like a sign of like slight weakness and that's what always made him a little bit pissed off i thought oh this is so cool and like i was yeah. reading far too into it and then they're like oh yeah red's your favorite color uh, there you go <laughs> i was like oh you guys you could have done something really cool there but, well the, um, the, it was a it was an amazing scene you're absolutely right because you know raf coming in late everyone else had already been training with their weapons and that was a very i think it was in the second trade i almost talked about it on our christmas episode because it's a christmas setting like after mm. their training they're all sitting around a little tiny Christmas tree on a box and uh, their gifts, you know, he gives uh, Leo, Mike, and uh, Donnie their colored headbands right. and then, like he's saying, Raph keeps the red but uh, that's when he first gets his size is that night too, so it's it's an, on an emotional level for all of them, but it's such a good series, they, they address those little tiny curiosities you have like Raph, why is he still in the red bandana and give it a good uh, good explanation, I really enjoyed it I liked. I think. I think on the last one, I, I really like the, the bit I, I loved more than anything was when they kick the shredder's ass, yes. and they don't kill him, and they leave him like, and they're like, you're pathetic or something along those lines. Like Leo, basically, just like, you know, smack talks him and like leaves. You know, like drops the mic and leaves. And I was just like, that's so badass. You know, like because <laughs> you're all, like it's always been the turtles getting their ass kicked by the shredder but this one it was like leading up to this big fight and you're like oh shit you know like this is the bit where the shredder kicks their ass you know because in the original ninja turtles they kill the shredder in the first issue they like straight out right. him, and he's dead and i like the fact that they went they kind of went back to that like they've been building up the shredder as this really like big force and i know he's like still in the comic books now and he's like but uh, i haven't read further than you know i i, I mean you know I'm, I'm only picking them up now and but, um, oh no! There's been some changes. You need to you need to read up. Uh, yeah, Shredder's a thing of the past now. As soon as I finish Limbo, I'm yeah. I've I've got a stack. I've got a stack of graphic novels I need to read. I've been picking them up as I've been going. I just I pick. I start to read them, and I'm like, I, I should be finishing my own comic right now. I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I, I, I won't uh, spoil any more for you. My apologies. Oh no, 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 not to worry. I, 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 I'm, I'm a sucker for stuff like that because I always read reviews of comics I've not read. So I'm, 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 I'm kind of aware of what's happening in the tales right now, um, but not, not fully. But like, I've had a few things spoiled for me, which is, you know, it's not the end of the world because, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to reading how they ended up in this. But no. Yeah, you'll love it's, it. You'll absolutely love it. I, I can't get enough. That's my favorite. Go. That's my favorite series. As soon as it's out, I gotta run down and get, uh, get that issue. Yeah, I can't miss it. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. It's, it's, it was the one thing that I knew I had to pick. You know, I was on that turtles buzz, so I was like, I need to watch the show and 
you know, like a, you know, I love that show growing up, and there hasn't been anything for such a long time that's been really that good. You know, like really right. harking back to the original comics. I've got all of the original graphic novels here. Like my dad, uh, you know, obviously I was a big, you know, I'm sure we all were when we were younger, like huge fans of the the show when we were kids and the toys. And my dad Absolutely. would buy me the the original uh, Kevin Eastman and Peter Lard. Um, comics the graphic novels like the really violent ones and me and my brothers were like these are these are amazing you know like yeah. what <laughs> 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 throwing ninja stars in people's heads and you know, like, yeah they're strike. a lot to, they're a lot darker it's a lot of swearing strike, and stuff uh, michelangelo like gangs some guy with his nunchucks and dragging him into a you know like a fountain and killing him and drowning him and I remember, uh, yeah, I think I'm not going to go through my comics. It's been such a long time. I remember they go to Dimension X and they're fighting the, um, what are the Cyclops guys called again now? What were the they blood pods? The, the, uh, not the Cyclops, the Triceratops. Oh, the Triceratons. Uh, that's it. So I knew it was something along Triceratops. <laughs> and they're in, this, uh, they're, they're in a, they're in an arena um, fighting these guys. And as far as I remember, uh, I don't, uh, I'm not going to go down because I'm just going to try and remember for the top of my head. They've obviously all got weapons that they can take these guys out with, like Raph can stab, Leo can cut, and Mikey can strangle, or whatever. And you've got like Donnie, and he's he's got this stick, and he's he's trying to hit this Triceraton, and he can't do it. And then eventually, I think he like snaps his staff in two, so it's splintered, you know, like it's sharp. And I think he just like gouges one in the face of it, or in the, you know. I don't think I read I, that. I, I'm far. hoping that. Yeah, I hope I, I hope I don't make that. I'm fairly sure that happens. If I just made that up, then I, I was thinking <laughs> of some really weird stuff when I was a kid. No, like, that sounds right. I mean, those original Eastman Laird black and whites. I mean, they were graphic, and I, I totally believe you'd see that in one of those. Well, very yeah, cool. I'm fairly. But yeah, sorry, that's, that was my comment. Oh, no, I I could sit here and talk turtles all day. I've actually, I'll send you a picture. I made a custom figure of Dark Leo from that IDW series. I'll shoot you a picture when we're done. Oh, sweet. Yeah, I haven't got that far. That's the City Call stuff, right? When he's all... City Call, like, yes. Oh, man, that was... Down there in the, um, in the, uh, he's got all the, like, shredder gear and stuff, because mm-hmm. I've... I've like just before the new movie came out, I went on a on a turtles binge and tried to locate or read up on any of the series that I hadn't read. You know, like I watched all of the newer cartoon that came out. You know, like in the early two thousands. Like I think right. it, I, I don't want to say late nineties because I think it was the early two thousands. It was. It was like two thousand three. That got dark. That shit got really dark. That one. Um, that's the tale series. There's like one with Baxter Stockman, and he's like deteriorating and turning into like pieces, you know, there's pieces of body in like a, a test tube and some stuff like that. And then there's like, <laughs> like there's a few, they go into the future and two of the turtles are dead or they die or, you know, like there's all these alternate realities. And I think towards the end, they have like some sort of, I don't think I got as far as the end, but I remember like, you know, like doing catch up stuff on YouTube just to kind of get the idea of the story because I was, obviously I was working. I didn't really have a lot of time to, to watch the entire runs. I think there's like 10 seasons or something like that, that original yeah. run. But yeah. I got yeah. lost with it around that fast forward stuff. Like as soon as they start going into space with that series as I, I checked out, I was like, no, I, I like it when they're in New York fighting them, mm. you know? No, definitely. Um, but then there was the image, the image, uh, run the image comics run of uh, Ninja Turtles where you know they kill Donatello in like the third or fourth issue and Raph loses an eye. The, oh, you yeah, know, 
and becomes the shredder you know like for a while he goes he goes and finds the the, the old foot clang layer and i think and you know like don's you know he puts on the shredder gear and they bring donatello back as a cyborg and mm. all types of weird stuff like they just went... uh, died in that run too if i'm not mistaken yeah i remember reading that when when that series i was probably about 12 or 13 when that was happening that series and i remember reading that splinter was dead and i was like yeah, finally. like, like <laughs> being a teenager just being like who cares man turtles yeah. like the turtles time. are okay who cares about the old rat yeah, <laughs> yeah man yeah, i was just like yeah i just didn't i didn't didn't care at the time when i remember hearing it i was like no <laughs> out Awesome. Well, again, we got to move this conversation along. I, again, I could talk turtles all day, but we're running a little long here. Um, so, what about Dan? You got a comic yeah, you want to yeah. talk about? Uh, I'll go quick, shall I? Um, <laughs> yeah. So, what I've been like, um, so to, to dial it way back, um, I've been rereading uh, Shade the Changing Man. Shade the Changing Man. Yeah, you ever picked that one up? No, mm-hmm. never even heard of it. So it's a it's a 1990s. Uh, uh, 1990 uh, Vertigo series. Um, I think it was one of the launch titles of Vertigo. Really? Uh, so they were doing sort of like, you know, they were doing sort of great with um, sort of Sandman was starting to come out and Doom Patrol was doing really good for them and stuff. And so this was uh, Peter Milligan's, uh, Peter Milligan and uh, Chris Bacalow, who, uh, who did this like revamp of this really psychedelic 60s character uh, called Shade the Changing Man who comes from a realm of madness and wears a madness vest, which sort of makes uh, thoughts into reality. But they just huh. went really, really grim with it, where he, uh, he enters Earth by... Uh, he enters the body of a, of a man being executed on the electric chair and then sort of starts warping the world around him. Um, and there's like, a, you know, there's like a sphinx with JFK's head and... Uh, there's um, this whole arc where, uh, where, where a man sort of uh, goes mad and goes and saves JFK in the 60s and like they sort of do whole alternate history stuff. It's, it's kind of everything you want from like an early 90s Vertigo book and it's like massively underrated. I'm going to have to look into that. That sounds mm-hmm. really cool. Really kind of out there. I love books that are out there. That yeah. Break away from the norm. That sounds awesome. And that was Shade the Changing Man? Shade the Changing Man, yeah. So when he wants the the American screen, and I don't think it's in print anymore, which is a real, real shame. Uh, I wonder if it exists on a digital uh, plane. I wonder. I uh, should definitely be able to find it. I think I think you'd track it down anyway. But you know, you'd find it on Amazon. And it wouldn't be too. Oh yeah, too, that's mm. true. Oh, I just want to keep talking comics, but then I'll be editing for days and days and days, you know? (laughs) This is a (laughs) two-parter. All right. Well, we're just going to cut right over to uh, Dan and Casper and talk about Limbo now uh, on Image. Thanks so much for reaching out to us. And um, I can't tell you how much we both are into Limbo now. This is an awesome comic. I I love the one, the colors in it. It has like a very 80s kind of a feel to it. Yeah. And I don't know if that was an intentional or not, but... Uh, let's just start off with you guys telling uh, the listeners a little bit about Limbo. I don't want to spoil anything. Uh, I'm done. Limbo is, we pushed it as a, as a surrealist neon noir. So I guess like, I guess like talking about things like Shade and talking about like sort of early, early Vertigo, it was like very much that we wanted to do something kind of like that. 
So it's it's got supernatural elements. It's got like old school uh, noir elements. So like very much drawing from sort of uh, you know sort of Philip Marlowe stuff, Raymond Chandler, and uh, Dashiell Hammett. Like so so one of the very sort of like classical noir vibe. But then I think it, it, we also very much wanted to do an eighties vibe, and it, it sort of took over as a theme. So it's it's very sort of VHS and music orientated as well. I love that about it too. Mm-hmm. I love. Well, that I think about yeah, it. I, I'm a big like. I grew up behind a uh, behind a video store when I was a kid, and we used to get a lot of VHS films. You know, like we, they don't seem to have it anymore. But like, it seemed like in the '80s, all of the movies were horror movies. You know, like as far as I oh, can yeah. remember, <laughs> you go into you know you go and, you go and rent a video, and there would just be just you know. Like, B movies, horror movies. Everyone was melting. Everyone was covered in goo. You know, it was always like, and that was my childhood growing up was watching movies like this uh, and getting them from this store. And when the store shut down, the guy sold them all for like basically next to nothing. So we picked up all of these really bad VHSs. You know, like while 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 we're still quite young, maybe about nine or ten, and we had tons of them. And we used to watch them all the time. And there's something really charming in it. And you can't, like, you know, like you can do that in a film, and you can replicate that in film. You can't really replicate it in comic, but I wanted to make a comic that kind of paid homage to those those movies that I grew up watching in a weird way. And it's, I guess, like visually, we ch- tried to get that like over the top neon element in there, mm-hmm. but uh, which is kind of sickening. Like the whole point of it was to, like everyone seems to love it, but I was trying to offend people with it. I think to begin with, because <laughs> I wanted it to be like you know, like really over the top. Um, where it was unnecessary because I think that was the whole thing about those those movies growing up was everything was really unnecessary you know like it, it was like there was it was really unapologetic about the way that it looked and the way that it was and it, that everything felt really lo-fi and, the, and you know the directors and everyone involved were just like we're going to make our movie and we're going to make the fuck out of it so right. that's kind of where we wanted to go with Limbo and it was just I feel like a lot of Modern, maybe not so much with, with with Image, but a lot of comics coming out now. Like I guess since you know, like the Dark Knight came out, and you have like the every and uh, the Ultimate, the, the Ultimates, and most of the Ultimate Universe, where everything's kind of trying to lo- make logic of you know, like comics. You know, like trying, yeah, to, trying to make sense of it. Um, trying to make sense of it and which is which is which is was which was cool at the time but i kind of feel like everything's doing that now and everything has like a logical agenda you know like or it's or it's trying to hold the reader's hand too much you know when i'm reading a book and they do something really cool and i'm like oh this is awesome like you know like i wish i could do that i wish i could have made a book like that and then on the next page they're like oh and it's like this because right and 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 it's some like some lame reason or it just felt, kind of just feels like they're telling me because they they're they're apologizing for doing something silly and i don't feel like everyone should do that like you know like i read comic books that were so daft growing up that right. that's why i love them i love reading comic books like that and like dancers like early you know like uh, early vertigo like um that's a good example doom patrol <laughs> yeah yeah like doom patrol or you know like uh, you know like 2000 AD and a lot of those those uh, comics that I used to read when I was growing up were just and like the Ninja Turtles again which didn't it didn't have to explain itself it, it knew it was there from the get go it set that world up right and and it didn't apologise for it ever 
and now with a new movie, you know, like the apparent great reboot, which it wasn't, but they were like, hey, we were, they, we made them in a lab, and they taught themselves from, from reading a book, and it's just like, and, and they had, had to be embar- embarrassed about the cowabunga, right? That had to yeah, be an embarrassing thing. They couldn't, they couldn't just do it. They, they had to apologize for it. Yeah, and it just felt like, oh, why? Like I know, like that's that was the charm. Like you've lost the charm now, and. Again, like, you know, we were talking about, like, Ghostbusters as well. Like, hopefully they don't, like, try and apologize for how silly the originals were because they do that in a lot of reboots now. Like, they poke fun at the originals because they were daft, and it's like, you're you're literally rebooting something. Like, that's the most daft thing in the world. Like, why are you poking fun (laughs) at something? You're poking yeah, if you're your going existence. to dedicate to it, it's like, it's, dedicate it's like to it. It's like the piss out of your parents while they're in the same room as you, and they're just looking at you like, you know, fucker, I brought you into this. Cheeky <laughs> <laughs> fuck. Like, um, so yeah. Anyway, getting back to the the um, getting back to the comic. Like, well, when we met, when we set out to make Limbo, and we we only ever pitched it to Image. Like, they were the first pe- people that we took it to to pitch, and I think they could see that, you know, they like putting out books that. Are, made by the creators you know like it's their vision you know like that's what they'd like to put out and they could see that a lot of love went into this book from me and Dan from both mm-hmm. um, absolutely you know yeah, like, they, it wasn't something that we came up with because shit we needed to make a comic book it was like no. it was just because we were so excited to make this thing yeah like it was it was all these you know like I'd been working indie you know this is my first major published book where I've been working in comics for a few years before and a lot of the comic books I did were again like real world comics you know there's only the, the boundaries were as far as the limitations of our world go you know there were never any any more than that someone's head wouldn't just explode or you know right. it was always you know someone would have to get shot and you know i i learned a lot from that but that's not why i got into comics and that's not why i started drawing in the first place and that's not the comics or uh, and to this day i wouldn't read those comics like i would always read the dare funny comics that i got into comics reading and, and, and the more personal comics, you know, like I'd been writing my own comics and drawing my own comics before and they were always silly, but they were also very personal to me, you know, like, you know, Charles Burns, for instance, I wouldn't say is silly, but, you know, they, they're bizarre in a way that they're very personal, but like, I'm not saying that we're on par with that, but, you know, they were the ones that resonated to me as a reader and, as, and when I wanted to create my own work, which I always wanted to do in comics, I didn't want to always work for someone, I had to do something that, reflected my personality as a person and i think you know limbo visually as 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 you know there are elements of you know strong elements of the book which obviously dan as well especially i don't know a lot about voodoo that's dan's <laughs> that's dan's area of expertise and i wouldn't you know i wouldn't touch that with the longest stick i wouldn't you know i have no idea where i go with that but um, but like visually and you know the way the characters look and the way they act and in, in the world that is building like that's just you know, I puke that into the screen. Basically, that's everything that I've pent up over the years, right. working in comics. That I needed to draw, like I needed to put this down on paper. I, you know, I would go mad. Basically, it's just, I guess, my frustration of working in comics and not being able to do all these things that I wanted to do coming out onto the paper. But obviously, also trying to do it in a way that works. <laughs> you know, it's not just I'm not just making up. We're not just making up as we go along. Uh, no, it, it definitely works. I, it's just such an interesting concept um, because it, this is going to be so hard to explain. But uh, like in the '80s, you know, when this when technology was first starting, computer technology was coming around. You know, then you had movies like Tron and what it'd be like to go into that technology mm. and 
I think that was a very prominent uh, theme in the mid to late '80s. You know, there was also Weird Science. Didn't they do yeah, something they like made that? A they woman. made a woman from computer programming yeah. stuff. Hmm. Again, again, like they, they were the films I grew up watching. You know, I was born in the early '80s, so and VHS is, I guess, especially in the UK, they seem to. It wasn't like you have it now. It wasn't like three months later you would get a VHS from a movie in the states. It would be like two or three years before we even got that movie. It felt like at least, you know, like it felt like that. It felt like a really long. I was a kid. Like my 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 my, my idea of time was like yeah. a lot longer than it is now. You know, I didn't have the patience to wait for stuff. But you know, when a film would come out, it felt like forever. And we used to watch a lot of stuff on TV, mind as well. So you'd have to wait three years before they would even show it on TV. And that's usually where I saw something for the first time was on TV. So right. I remember watching Tron for the first time on TV. I think Tron's actually older than I am, but again, like it was still within that. That was my was still in my area of perception. You know, like I only knew the NES as a console. You know, like I only knew right. eight bit graphics growing up as a kid. I didn't get. I was about ten when I got a Super Nintendo. So up until the age of ten, I only knew. That's how the world looked outside of it. So films like Tron to me were like mind blowing at the time. I was like, "Whoa, look at these graphics! Like he's it's 3D, you know? Like when he's yeah. in there, he's flying." I thought that was amazing as a kid. I couldn't believe it. And you look at it now, and it's obviously looks like garbage. Still looks, still looks good. <laughs> you know, um, it still looks right. It still holds up, but um, we just get desensitized to uh, special effects as movies come out because I keep getting better and better and aging the old ones uh, more and more. I don't, I don't know about that. Thing. I'd always, I'd always rather the physical effects than the digital. That's true, yeah. and I think that's why probably Jurassic Park held up so well. Uh, it does, it really does, doesn't it? Yeah, that's I mean, part of. What, like I don't know about about you guys, but like with the new Star Wars, like I felt like a lot of the CGI was quite jarring because they kept so much of the. Uh, physical effects that when they did do CGI it felt a bit um, a bit out there I didn't, I didn't notice that actually. I didn't notice the CGI so badly I felt like they kind of I think they played it off quite well um, I thought I, I thought they might go more of a um, where the wild things are route with it you know where they had like real life little monsters. parts of CG yeah little parts of CG it's yeah. a shame they didn't go that whole way um, but I was interested that they didn't do that with Chewie I was really worried that they would go full oh, CG yeah because yeah, that's since... something I did they they have the option now to like you know like again I'm not going to spoil the Force Awakens but the, the bit where you get you know when when Chewie goes beast mode and starts like blowing <laughs> blowing people up you know they if George Lucas had the chance to do that I imagine you'd see a CGI Chewie force leaping across bridges yeah, and yeah, jumping oh, up yeah. and all the, yeah, all yeah, the yeah, yeah, distances through the yeah, air you know, like yeah. throwing people off the edge and stuff like that which would have just destroyed everything like I like that I, I, I like The Force Awakens because it felt like there was gravity you know like everything felt grounded yeah like and that's what that's what the original films felt like they felt like there was gravity the new ones didn't feel like there was anything they felt like shit fan film you know it didn't, it didn't. <laughs> but yeah I'm, let's get again right, okay, going back on the stuff <laughs> it's a great topic to talk about though it's so easy to do I still need to watch that film again it's still fresh in my I love that the, yeah Force Awakens was great I, I just last weekend went to my third and final uh, theater show so now it's just the jarring wait till uh, getting on Blu-ray 
Yeah, definitely. Um, but getting back to the uh, yeah to the comic like again like I know that our whole thing and when we pitched it or sorry when we solicited it was the VHS aesthetics and it's hard to say that when that doesn't really come into play until maybe issue two and three. Uh, yeah, and, and obviously more prominently towards the end of the book. It did, you know, like obviously that holds true in the trade, but it was more of the idea that it felt like a like a VHS, especially towards the end of the trade, which isn't spoiler to the plot, but like there's like tears, you know, like VHS, there's you know like tears in the page and stuff like you would get in a VHS when it got towards the end and I didn't notice well, that. Oh no sorry, that's what I mean like we haven't got to that point but Oh like, you haven't got there yet. Yeah. Okay. I was gonna say I missed that aspect. But like the whole idea was that it kind of felt like a like a like an old dodgy that like even the plot like it felt like a you know you just see a vhs and you pick up and i have no idea what this film's about you know you find them on it would be like it would be like the film you'd find like in the back you know you'd you'd pick it up and it would be in a plain black box and you'd be like what's this and the and the store clerk would be like it would be a little bit like a little bit of hellraiser it'd be like you know what's your pleasure sir it would be like (laughs) this dvd DVD. it's funny you should say that because one of the films I got from the VC, the videos so that I live behind, and I have no idea what this film is called. And if anyone can find out what it's called, I'd really like to know. And it was a similar thing where these kids go into a video store, and it was not unlike Never Ending Story, where the guy's like, Oh, we've got this VHS that you can take. And these kids take, I think it was like a gold VHS. It was weird VHS that they get from a video store, and they watch it, and it sucks them into the, the VCR. Oh, that sounds and, familiar. Yeah, it does. And they're inside this this world and they have to like battle their way out of this vcr world and that film has haunted me for years because i cannot remember what it's called and i've never seen it anywhere and like and i don't know if i made that up in my head you know like it's one of those things where it's like did i even did i dream that film because it really stuck with me and again like that's kind of like the you know limbo is kind of has that theme with it especially like you know in issue two when he's like sucked into the tv you know when i when i said it to dan like I was trying to explain it to him when I was like, when he gets sucked into the TV, it needs to be like, he's like, whoa, you know, like, the, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, it was the only explanation we ever had, like, it was the only conversation, it was just, whoa. And, that's like, and like, Dan, Dan being almost a decade younger than me was like, oh, right, so they tumble through the TV and turn into Beetleborgs, and I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, no, like I have no idea what you're on about. And he sent me a video clip of the kids turning into Beetleborgs, and I was like, yeah, something, something like that, but with worse, with worse special effects. Like the idea was, you know, like when he tumbles in, it's like, you know, like Tron. Or do you remember that cartoon, Captain N? I was just thinking there? that. Yes, and that opening yeah. sequence when he gets pulled. Yeah, in. and he's like, whoa! And the drum jumps in, <laughs> like, like really bad CGI skeleton comes out and grabs him. I fucking loved that show when I was a kid. But oh, the whole, you know, I, I really wanted to like replicate that because there's another nod to it later on when Sandy gets the controller and plays the game. That whole thing was like a, you know, like a nod to that kind of era where it was like people getting sucked into TVs basically like all the time. Like that was, a, and people's face melting. I don't think we've actually done any, done any of that in Limbo, which is a shame because faces do melt a lot and. Well, people just melt in general in, in um, 80s movies of that era. Yeah. We don't have a face melting. One effect that's in Limbo that I would love to see on screen, and I hope I'm not spoiling too much by saying this, is, uh, and if I am, just tell me and I'll cut it out. 
But there's a character by the name of Papa, was it Legba? Legba, yeah. That is like a voodoo apparition that makes himself apparent from like a a cassette tape with all the tape reeled out of it. Oh, you're spoiling it for me. I didn't get that far. It was yeah, no, so, so like, freaking Legba's, cool. Legba's a real, uh, a real voodoo lower. He's a, he's a the sort of guardian of the crossroads kind of guy, uh, in in sort of in in the voodoo religion, um, and he and he's the guy you kind of have to go to to sort of cross between worlds. So obviously with the being sucked, getting sucked into TVs and things like crossing worlds and jumping around between worlds, is like very sort of prominent within Limbo. Um, but the way the way you sort of communicate with, um, or the, the way you sort of get into into the sort of vibe to communicate with sort of voodoo spirits is, is usually through drumming and music and all that sort of thing. So it it just seemed to make perfect sense to us to to put him in the cassette. Yeah, mm. it's awesome. Yeah, it was, I can't imagine yeah. seeing that on the big screen. That mm. would be so cool. And then um, it was just like I think the idea of using all this analog technology is. I just like the idea that there's like a really like charming limitation behind that because I, I w- again like if I if I felt like I wanted to make a a themed movie that was like the eighties then you'd have to base it within that world because if you start playing in mobiles and the internet and stuff like that then you kill that that feeling that you get from replicating but something. It, it, it had it had to be said in a world without uh, Google. Yeah, or or, you know, like the use of computers and stuff like that. I remember me and Dan were joking about, like, when we were doing Limbo, we were like joking around about like an '80s X-Men. You know, like when X-Men were huge, and we were thinking like, oh, you know, when the X-Men came out in the '80s, they were like this new. Well, not when they came out, but you know, like when they when you know reimagining in the '80s. Yeah, like when sorry, when like Wolverine was like really introduced as a you know like as like the new cool guy, and they they got you know. Slightly nastier, and then the TV show came. You know, like not right. in the eighties, like around that time where it started. To, you know, like when I started to take notice to it. Like I didn't know about the X Men when I was younger, but um, like that era where they had, you know, they had that specific look about them. But all of their technology was like, like super futuristic, like everything in the eighties. And um, and, and and thinking about it, like I was saying to Dan, like, wouldn't it be really funny if, like, now we did it. Like, there was an X-Men or like there was an X-Men comic that was set in the 80s but their technology was only limited to that time you know so they were only Ooh. using that you know the stuff that they had and I was like that would be awesome you know like and, and it was you know like Reagan era X-Men basically and they only had like what we had at the time which wasn't <laughs> thinking like Cerebro Matt running on massive floppy disks yeah, basically, and <laughs> everything was analog technology. Like they had, you know, like they didn't have like, the big X one carrier, and they didn't have like the Danger Room the same way that they had the Danger Room. It was like VCR training, you know, and, and like and like really bad prosthetic robots, you know. And, They're getting around in the Thunderbird cardboard yeah. cutouts, <laughs> bumping up, shooting up out of oh nowhere. God. But yeah, obviously that was just like a fun job. But there was just ideas that we, we were peeing around with while we were like making Limbo, which I think a lot of them kind of just went back into Limbo because it was just like that, <laughs> that novelty that you get from from making those those movies. Again, like I know I keep referring to movies and obviously I, I, I do really like film and I want Limbo to feel like a, a dodgy film, basically. That was the, the whole idea and look like it as well in that respect where it felt like a really badly edited together sure. 
I think you've done a great job. I mean, especially in the back of issue two there, there's a uh, there's a poster of what the VHS cover would look like, the B and, oh, right, uh, yeah. BNC Video mm-hmm. Presents, and that is just, it just brings it home exactly what you're saying. But, uh, man, what great books. And we were just talking before we got on here, you know, we're, we're definitely hooked on this. And yeah, you, I got the first two issues, read the first one, and yeah. I got it digital, and the whole scene where uh, the woman's looking through the door, watching everything happen with mm-hmm. the TV... That, the whole feeling you get that feeling when you're watching yeah. it that yeah that's gonna happen I shouldn't be the, seeing this I shouldn't yeah. be seeing this there's some bad stuff about to go yeah. couldn't take my eyes off it just kept going kept going and you guys have issue 4 coming out uh, this Wednesday February Wednesday, 10th yeah. correct that's right yeah. and yeah. We, again with the, with the movie I guess you guys haven't seen issue 3 but we kept the I, I know the first one has a proper pinup but we kept that whole thing going with the, with the movie so in, you know like issue 3 we have like a um there's a toy introduced, which is like a He-Man toy. You know, he's he's, he's like a prop device, like that's used within the within the issue. But there's an ad for him that you would get at the back of a comic book. You know, oh, and it's really? like a kid. You know, like a kid holding the, the like holding a sword, and the, you know, he's like whoa, and there's the lightning. <laughs> it's like the the power of the you know, like the power of the Eldritch Warriors. I guess that's what he was. You know, like in your house, abominations. Yeah, that's it, right? And you got the toy at the front, and there's like lightning hitting the kid, and you know, like really over the top. And you know, Dan writes this little thing about like just pretend that you're living a lie and all this stuff that's really dark. But um, you know, like just the idea of that those ads, and then in, in issue four, which is out on Wednesday, my my older brother um, did a pinup, which is uh, Mega Man inspired. You know, like the original art because um, we just wanted to play back to that whole like NES thing that we did that you gain you know you get the old like if you've got the old comics you get like a NES ad at the back and it was like you know like really cheesy uh, but they would always get the the art from the, the video game was always misrepresented you know like really badly oh yeah, yeah absolutely on the box like it, it was never that and like I, I remember watching the documentary and basically the guys that did the box art would get sent like a prototype of the game they wouldn't get any like uh or anything usually anyway so they basically had like this little tiny dot to work with so like famously like the Mega Man one he's got like a pistol you know and he's like this old dude and that's <laughs> not what Mega Man looks like so my brother did one of like Limbo the game which is just like completely wrong you know so so you got clay as Mega Man you know there's an Alex, <laughs> you know and you've got like and he's got like a gun for a hand and You've got like uh, like the thumb in the background, but he's like a cyborg because like obviously in the game you can't tell what he looks like. Right. And then like there's an alligator in issue four as well, but the alligator is now a robot alligator with a giant mace and it's chasing him and <laughs> it's just you know like it was just that old idea of getting it wrong, you know, like but trying to sell it as a game. Sure. Like, I'm going to have to go get issue three this week, yeah. and then well four will be out too. I'll have to pick that one up as yep. well. But um. Yeah, February 10th, issue 4 is coming out, which by the time anyone's hearing this, it will already be out. So uh, go out and get it. Promise you will not be disappointed. And you can get on uh, is image, just, it's just imagecomics.com, right? Yep, yeah. You guys have your individual Twitter handles. I, Dan, I've got you yours. It's at DanPGWaters. Yeah, well, And um, I'm sorry, Casper, I'm not sure what yours is offhand. Sorry, it was his Twitter. Yes, Twitter. Uh, it's Casper Nova. 
at Casanova. Sorry, as in like Casanova, but with, with my name, C-A-S-P-A. Ah, clever. Nice. <laughs> so yeah, you guys can find uh, Dan and Casper on Twitter and check them out on uh, ImageComics.com. And I'm sure there's pretty other, many other mediums you're on. I mean, we found them just at our comic shop, so they're probably hanging on your uh, local comic shop's wall right now. So guys, thanks so much for being with us today. Uh, thanks for having us. Jack, what do we got on the website? Head over to CandarePodcast.com. You can see show show highlights, guest info, listen to the show, follow us on all our social media, visit the Wall of Justice and see the Hall of Heroes, check out our YouTube videos, and if you'd like to be a guest and promote your work, send us an email uh, from our contacts page. Exactly, and our uh, Twitter handle at CandarePod and on Instagram at Cand underscore Air. So uh, you can follow us on both of those mediums. Check out what we're doing, a little bit more insight than what you're getting just from the audio, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's going to do it for this week. So until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. Casper Wingard. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Sit. Good dog. Throw the ball over here, Mervin. Whoops. Let's tell Mom Billy did it. Hold on there, Mervin. Wow, it's Flint. It's one thing to break a window, but it's another to blame Simple Billy. You should be inside listening to the Candare podcast. What about the window? I guess you shouldn't have broke it. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! And then that. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else the importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the authors' lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform. And learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out.